there and welcome to Shoot Flick, the official Paradoja podcast. I'm Francis Clark. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a newlywed couple who likes to shoot shit about me. We do. We definitely do. And uh, this week, Scott has introduced me to a movie that I've never seen before. Yes, I have. I introduce you to Mel Brooks's History of the World, Part 1. Yeah, I had never heard of this movie until very recently we were in a Best Buy and we saw it in like the bargain bin and I was like what the hell is this and Scott was like you've never seen this and I'm like I've never even heard of it and I've seen quite a few uh Mel Brooks movies Indeed. in the past but never heard of this one so it, it's one of those movies that truly is the first time I've watched this movie in probably 15 16 years but even still, I still laughed. I still so enjoyed fun, it. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. I mean, the the humor in it is it's, it's definitely Mel Brooks, uh, you know, special yeah. brand. Uh, <laughs> some of it was more like you know predictable and you know yeah, well than, than, uh, than when, other stuff. But when okay, you've done yeah. this many comedies, as Mel Brooks has sometimes yeah. you go sometimes for the cheap laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this was directed and written by and starring Mel Brooks. It is. Which is also kind of his brand of, uh, yeah. of how he works. It's definitely not his... It's not his most, most revered well work. known movie, not his most revered, acclaimed work. But I, I you know, I, there's been so many other Mel Brooks movies that I've enjoyed. From, like, the producers to, you know, Spaceballs to... Blazing Saddles and then Frankenstein and all yeah. those movies I love. So I, I had no doubt that I would enjoy this one. I just didn't. I, I kind of lived up to my expectation that it, it was good, but not as good as his other stuff. No, it, it's okay. Yes. But it's definitely entertaining. But it's also different than his other stuff. Yeah. This isn't. Fair. This isn't Young Frankenstein. This is honestly. A, this movie is more of like. It's a collection of scenes. It's not a straightforward right. narrative. It's very uh, variety show-esque. And there is, a, in a couple of the longer segments, there is a plot, but the plot really isn't the main no, it, event, I guess. No, it's... It's, it's, it's more about the gags and the jokes. Yeah, it's being funny. It's just... It was like... Oh, it, it was almost like he wanted to put on the stage show of a bunch of, like, random things. It was like, yeah, I'll make a movie of it. Um. But apparently from the research that I did do prior to watching the movie, Mel Brooks, he, in, in other movies he's played multiple roles, but in this movie he has, I believe, five different roles. And he, that's, the, according to IMDb, that's how many roles he has, and that's the most that he's ever had in any movie that he's done, is five. I think that's right. I think that's right. God, Moses, King Louis, the Piss Boy, and Comicus. It was funny when we started watching this and I looked at the cast and I'm like, wow, this is like a Muppet movie reunion because like there's so many people that were in this movie that were in the Muppet movies. Yes. Including Mel Brooks and like Dom DeLuise and Madeline Kahn and Cloris Leachman. And oh, yeah. It was kind of funny because we just, a couple episodes ago did the Muppet movie. If you haven't listened to that, please do. It's our second episode. It is. Series. But yeah, it was just kind of funny. And, you know, they, they all did a, a good job. They all did their kind of normal shtick in a Mel Brooks movie, I think. Yeah. And that's just what you get with, like, this. You get... It, it was funny. It was humorous. Yeah. When I was younger, a lot more of the jokes probably landed than they do now. Yeah. But it's still good. It's still funny. But, uh, last week when we discussed... Also, a crossover between the movie and this is Orson Welles. Oh, right, yes. Orson Welles plays the narrator in this movie, which makes sense because his voice is very booming and, you know, over-the-top uh, intense, you know? Yeah. And it was fun. Like, we'll get into this as we go through it. It kind of seemed like at points he was kind of like... Because I feel like with certain uh, Mel Brooks movies, the joke is like that they're... Like, the characters are taking things very serious, but in reality, like, what's happening is so absurd feel like that's kind of the shtick sometimes but in this instance it was kind of like Orson Welles was the straight man kind of narrating everything very seriously and then you'd go into these different time periods and like 
It got zany. It just, yeah, it just turned ridiculous. But I will, last week when we discussed uh, this, that we were going to be doing this movie, uh, Scott and I mentioned that it got some negative praise, not, not praise, <clears throat> negative, it got some negative feedback. Uh, and yeah. Scott really didn't understand why. What I, uh, what we meant by that was when I was doing research, I realized that this movie, I, I looked up uh, any awards that this movie received, and it did receive one award. It won, now, what we know today as the Razzies didn't always exist. The Razzies are a, like, little award show that rewards, like, the year's shitty movies, basically. And that started in 1981. But before that, the Stinker Bad Movie Awards existed. And in 1981... History of the World Part 1 received that award for Most Painfully Unfunny Comedy. That's not funny. Um, which, is, which is wrong. It, yeah, I don't, I, I don't agree with that. I think maybe if you compare this movie... To his other works. To his other works, yeah. maybe you could get away with that. But even so, like, you know, even despite the fact that a lot of the jokes in this movie were, like, you know, like, silly, like, you know... Yeah. Obvious jokes, like literally throughout the movie multiple times before, like they happen before the punchline happened. I would predict them like out loud, and then they would just happen right after I said what it was going to happen. And I get it, yeah. but at the same time, like I laughed. Like oh, yeah. I think the charm of Mel Brooks and his humor kind of carried it through. Oh yeah, but yeah. Well, just for sakes on. Rotten Tomatoes, because, you know... Oh, I, yeah, I looked that up, for sure. On Rotten Tomatoes, just because it bothered me. So, the tomato meter has it at the 62%. Right. Which is... I, uh, yeah, I'll give it more. That's, that's I at would, least... I would say that's that is fresh. Uh, but the audience is at 81%. Yeah, I honestly would put it in the middle of that, to be perfectly honest. I think I would put it somewhere in, like, the 70 <laughs> range. Yeah, that's about right. And I usually, like, when I um, gauge, like, the Rotten Tomatoes scores for movies, like, I often kind of just try to average out the, the audience score and the critic score, because usually it's somewhere in the middle yeah. where, it, like, in my opinion, where it actually is. Because sometimes, especially when movies are so vastly different, the audience score and the critic score, I find that there's a reason why, like, Very that true. is usually fall somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it's that. usually about right. But, you know, it. I still think there's some great parts to this, and it still brings me joy. It's art, It's either the first or second Mel Brooks movie I ever saw. Yeah, we were trying to figure this out. I believe the first Mel Brooks movie I ever saw was Spaceballs. Although, I feel like, as a child, my first exposure to Mel Brooks was probably the Muppet movie. But I didn't realize that it came that was like, Mel Brooks. what that meant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, I think my first one was either this or Young Frankenstein. It's one of the two. Mm. Um, I saw Spaceballs later on, but I love Spaceballs. Uh, I saw Spaceballs before I ever saw Star Wars, and I still the, liked it, so. Oh, Spaceballs is great. Um, you know, Robin the Men in Tights. Mm -hmm. Carrie Always. Carrie Always is great. And why should the people listen to you? Because, unlike some other Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent. But honestly, of the Mel Brooks movies, even though this isn't like his revered work, it's still, it still I deserves like, to there be. There are parts of it that I like. I liked the longer sequences. I really enjoyed the Spanish Inquisition scene, which we'll oh, get to. Um, but yeah, so <coughs> we're we're gonna go through it and kind of review it. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. So. Um, it didn't blow apart any expectations one way or the other. It was kind of exactly what I expected it to be. Makes sense. Okay. And it's not it's not a bad thing. It's just it's what I expected it to be. I enjoyed it. I expected to have a good time with it, and I did. So. It, it also I love throughout this movie. There's a lot of little gags. This is actually a movie you almost do have to watch two times. Yeah, because there are certain gags that maybe you wouldn't pick up the first time. That's true. I I I'm fine with that. I. Agree. But, uh, so, 
Do you want to start it off? You want me to well, go? Well, I'm going for, but you want to start? Are you good? Start, oh, yeah. No, I kind of went through. Uh, yeah, if you're... Uh, my fun facts. Okay. So we can, okay, so we start with... The t- uh, we start with the title card, Our Forefathers, basically. That, yeah, that kind of gives you a good sense of what the tone is. Because uh, Orson Welles comes in and he goes, Some apes finally learned to stand up straight, and these were our forefathers. And they start, like, dancing. and Yeah, and it, I like, just that's a good uh, like way to <coughs> exemplify, like, the tone of the, like, you have Orson Welles, like, booming kind of voice, and, like, serious, like, all-knowing narration. And then you have, the like, goofiness. The, the goofiness of, like, these Neanderthals, like, like, jumping around. So, yeah, that was, that was fun. And you, so through the Our Forefathers segment, because you had to break this down into kind of segments. Yeah. Every, like, time period, basically, is in some little segment. This one, we got a lot of little gags. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first couple, because the first couple segments are short. It's like this. Yeah, uh, yeah it goes. The Stone Age. The Stone Age, the Old Testament. And the Old Testament, and that's that. Those, those are, are like two short ones. Yeah. Snippets, and they have like it's, it's mostly Orson Welles narration, and then a lot of uh. Well, at least for, especially for the first one. Physical gags, and then uh, the Moses one was funny too. The yes, that was the Old Testament, but we'll, we'll get to that one. But we'll, you know, in this one. They introduce like different things, like singing was invented, weaponry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like cavemen. Artists and the critic, which I thought was hilarious. That, that was yeah, that was funny. Like the the birth of the artist, and then the afterbirth, the critic. <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, we're making a statement now. Which is I great because then the critic beats you know, the art. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize if I keep coughing. I'm just. Scott's just laughing. He's choking at his own laughter. Yes, I am. So I apologize for it. But yeah, so... Uh, and then we have uh, the Old Testament segment with Mel Brooks as Moses. And God. And God. <laughs> and uh, he comes out... I've seen this clip before, but I didn't realize that this is what it was from. Yeah, it's a short of, clip. Of Moses coming out with the 15 commandments, and then he drops one, he's like... Ten commandments. All pay heed. The Lord, the Lord Jehovah, has given unto you these fifteen. Ten, ten commandments for all to obey. I was, I was like, all right, all right. It's, it's, like, that's that's. Funny. It, it gets a lot of little like laughs because there's also a part where. God's this, talking, he's like, oh, he's piped down. He goes, what'd you say? I did nothing, nothing. And at this point, I thought that that's what the movie was going to be. Just, like, short little snippets with, like, like, little gags. Like, I literally wrote down, like, not much plot. And then the next yeah. sequence is the Rome sequence, Ancient Rome, which yeah. is one of the longest ones in the movie. It's, like... It, it is the longest one in the yeah, movie. Yeah, it's, like, this in the French Revolution segment yeah. are the longer ones with actual, like, a plot and characters and... Yeah. Um, so you want to go into that one? So yeah, so now we're up to the, the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we get a lot of little gags in the... Because when the, the two longer ones, we get... Actually, both of them, we get like a little marketplace gag-like segment. Mm-hmm. Where we where we go in through the marketplace and we're seeing like dumb little gags. Like, oh, the soothsayer tells the guy's fortune. Yeah. And tells him he's going to Rome. And mm-hmm. Oh my god, can we talk about the Arthur? <laughs> Oh, B.R. Arthur was great. Oh my god, my queen, fucking Dorothy Spornak was in this movie. I got so excited. She plays uh, an unemployment officer or like employ- unemployment worker. Yes, unemployment with a V. Yeah, <laughs> all the U's are V's. It's like, because it's Rome. Ah, it's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was she... no great joke with the piping and shit. <laughs> oh yeah, with like the plumbing. Get your plumbing. Plumb the shit out of your house. Yeah, pipe the shit out of your house. But yeah, B.R. Arthur's in this movie. It made me so happy, yeah. and she was interacting with Mel Brooks, and like Mel Brooks plays Comicus in this segment. Who is a stand-up philosopher? A stand-up philosopher. He goes, she she basically goes, so uh, what's your occupation? He's a stand-up philosopher. He oh, goes, this is the best part. What's that? And he describes what a stand-up philosopher. She goes, oh, so you're a bullshit artist. Oh, like, stand-up philosopher. What? Stand-up philosopher. I coalesce the vapor 
of human experience into a viable and logical comprehension. Oh, a bullshit artist. God, it was so funny. And he's like... All I was picturing was Dorothy Slanax and the Golden Girls just giving him shit. And basically, so then she goes, so did you bullshit... Have you bullshit this week? <laughs> no. Did, did you, you try, try to bullshit this week? week? Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going on my wine break. <laughs> yeah, she so his agent comes in and goes, mm-hmm. "I have a gig for you." And he, she, Dorothy, closes the thing on him. Says, I'm going on my wine break, and he's like, "God damn it! I almost had the money." So now he gets the job. He's going to end up playing Caesar's Palace. Ah, it's funny because of the thing. So, and then we get introduced to, I think, kind of the shining star of the movie besides Mel Brooks. It kind of surprised me, like. He, kind of stole the scenes that he was in. Gregory Hines plays yes. Josephus, who is a slave, who is basically trying to get out of being sold by, like, entertaining the crowd or whatever, and no one else is entertained by him except Mel Brooks and his agent. Yes, he, he's, he's trying to not get sold to the lions. Yeah. Because they're going to send oh, him. Oh, no. I thought he was getting sold in He slavery. was getting sold, in, well, he was going to get sold into slavery, but no one wanted to buy him. Oh, so they right, were gonna, so then they were going to throw him to the lions. Throw him to the lions. Um, and he does this, he, he has the whole big thing where he's like, I'm a Jew. And yeah, he does like this whole bit. Like, yeah. It was really funny. Like I was surprised cause I don't, I'd, I've never seen, I think this, from what I read about like research wise, this was his first role. It was actually, this role was supposed to be originally to Richard Pryor. Which would be very interesting. Yeah. But for some reason he couldn't do it. So they got Gregory Hines and he, he did a great job and considering it was his first role, Later on in this segment, he kind of, like, he works, uh, he plays off Mel Brooks more directly. And he really holds his own against Mel Brooks, who's like a powerhouse, you know, comedically. And that impressed me. I was like, wow, he's, he's really good. He's, like, really stealing the scene here. So, yeah, I, was, so I was impressed with that. So, yeah, they, he does this whole bit. He's dancing. He's trying to pretend he's Jewish. He, mm-hmm. Nothing's going his way. It looks like he's a, he's a goner, basically. So then a horse falls down. Kind of distracts everyone. Distracts for everyone yeah. for a second. And uh, this guy starts whipping the horse. And this Vestal Virgin. Vestal. Vestal, sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, one of the, the, what, the Empress, the Queen, whatever. Yeah, the, the Queen's like. Her, like, handmaiden or whatever. One of her, like, girls runs out and, like, tries to stop the guy from whipping the horse. And Mel Brooks' character, <laughs> Tom Kissy, comes in and stops like him from slapping the girl. And yeah, he punches him out. He punches him out, yeah. And then it's, you know, uh, Josephus saves... Um, because the guy gets up to try and attack Mel Brooks yeah, again. Yeah, Josephus saves Mel Brooks. So they're all kind of banded together, the four of them, the agent, Mel Brooks, Josephus, and the girl Miriam. And then they try to, like, shoehorn this, like, romance, like, flirtation between Mel Brooks and this fucking... Miriam, like, yeah beautiful like 20 something year old model and it's like oh no (laughs) that's not how it works that's not how any of this works wait i looked at scott i'm like are they implying that they're attracted to each other like she's attracted to him i'm like "Mm, okay movie magic which that will come back later (laughs) um so they're gonna now they're definitely gonna kill josephus Right, yeah. Because <laughs> he hit a Roman citizen, and they have a cute little, like, what do we do? There's someone who hits a Roman citizen, and they have, like, a cute yeah. little, like, thing. <laughs> Shove a serpent up his ass? No. No, I like that. That's great. That's very creative, yes. <laughs> but no. But then, as they're, like, discussing, they're going to throw him to the lions, uh, the queen comes in. Yes. Played by Madeline Kahn. Yes. Uh, a, uh, Mel Brooks regular. If you don't know who she is by her name... She's from the movie... She's in the movie Clue. Yes, she is. Flames on the side of my face. Yes, I did it. I killed Yvette. I hated her so much. It... it the it, Flame. Flames. Flames on the side of my face. <laughs> <laughs> that lady, that's Madeline Kahn. Uh, no, no she, that's not Peacock, right? No, that's uh, White. Yes, Mr. White. She's white. So she comes in and, you know, the, the handmaiden, the Vestal Virgin, she runs to her queen yes. and says, please, oh, please, 
save him. Yes. He saved our lives. Save him, please. And she does. She says, okay, fine. He can work in the palace. As a wine steward. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of little, like, innuendos of, like, corkscrew. <laughs> yeah, of, like, you know, ooh, what can you, re- like, what can you do for me? Like, you know. Yeah. Um, I, do I have any holes he could fill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, yeah. So, then we cut to Caesar's palace. Yeah, where we get introduced to Dom DeLuise. Who plays Caesar. And I literally, when he came into the picture, he just looked so, like, sumptuous. Like, just such an over-gluttonized king situation. I literally said he was the human amalgamation. I wrote it down. Human amalgamation of lipstick on a pig. (laughs) Oh, side note. The horse they saved before. Oh, yes. The because horse, this comes back. Yeah. It's named Miracle. Is, yeah. Oh, my God. That was so... Okay. We're going to get there. <laughs> well, just, just sign note um, here. <laughs> but, yeah, they saved the horse. Um, but, anyway. So, yeah. So, we're at Caesar's Palace with Caesar, who's Don Louise. Looks like a, a gluttonous, foppish mess. Oh, yeah. With his, uh... His gay, uh... His gay steward. Steward. Yeah. Who... <laughs> this is another one where it's just like, like yeah, and they keep calling him homo or yeah. This is another one, and I'm like, oh god. See, like, but the context of it, it's not. It's just, it's a joke. Well, it's yeah, it's a joke. It's 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 Rome. If that was, if this was right, like, exactly. if this was back in history, yeah, that it well, it probably wouldn't be still. He'd probably be dead. But that's another story. Well, but you know, it's it's a joke. It's meant to be funny. It's you know, and. So now, he, you get uh, introduced to uh, the leader of the uh, army, Dom DeLuise, takes a uh, treasure bath. What? He, he lays down in the tub, and they pour treasure on him. Oh, yeah. Well, they got hot ladies in there, too. Yes, but it was a treasure bath. Was uh-huh. A- so fancy. And then, finally, so now, Comicus is performing for... Yeah, and he does really well with his, like... It's he starts off very well. It's basically just, like, a cliched, like, 80s, like, you know, yeah. like, stand-up routine. <laughs> but in Rome. <laughs> yeah, with, like, Roman things, and he starts messing with them. And then he get, he says a fat joke. Yeah, like, he insults the... The king he, has an apple insults, in his mouth. Yeah, he insults Caesar, calls him a fat pig, and he's got an apple in his mouth, and it's it's really funny. But then... You're like, get off the fat jokes! Get off the fat jokes! And then uh, Caesar <coughs> orders him to be killed. Uh, Josephus comes in to pour more wine for the king, and like he pour, he's laughing at Comicus's jokes. Yeah, because Comicus is surrounded by soldiers, and he, he goes, oh, "I guess when you kill at the palace, you really get killed at the palace." Yeah, so and he Josephus laughs and laughing. pours wine on yeah, he spills Caesar. Wine. And now so he orders him to kill him, and then the queen is like, you know, in order to try to like save, save them. one of them at least, he says. She says to the king, you know, have them fight to the death while we eat our dessert. So yes. that's what they do. Josephus and Comicus duel to the death. And this is the scene where I think, like, Josephus is really well, like, going directly with uh, Mel, Mel Brooks. And kind of really keeping up with him and being just equally balanced in his oh, humor it, with him. It, really it was like funny, like, them, like, we who were about to die... Salute you. And then they, like, Josephus knocks the sword out of his hand. Yeah. And grabs the sword. It's, it's all, it's very comical and physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they escape. Yeah, they escape. After, like, a bunch of shenanigans. Yeah, and, and Miriam helps them escape. Yeah, Miriam helps them escape. As they're escaping, they get separated, of course. Mm-hmm. And now we get to meet the rest of the Festal Virgins with... Oh, yes, with Madeline Kahn. Uh, as the queen, she comes in and, you know... Uh, hangs out with the girls, and at one point, she, uh, she has a bunch of, like, soldiers come in. And who are going to be her guests, who are going to be her escorts for the orgy. For the for the orgy. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that was a really funny scene. Because she's now, they have no pants on and just the tops. Yeah, I feel like it really subverted, like, expectations where, like, you usually see, because Madeline Kahn has to, like, choose what men she wants in the orgy, and she just basically, it's just her choosing based on their dick size. <laughs> Which is so, funny because it's always... It's in, always a guy choosing, choosing a bunch of girls. And between going, girls based on their looks. So it was kind of interesting to see it the other way around. 
uh, you know, this powerful woman. I, 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 I love objectifying men. I love Madeline Kahn's uh, her right hand lady. It's like you made some big choices. Yeah. Oh my god. So and then uh, so. Uh, Josephus is hiding as a eunuch. Yeah, he's pretending to be a eunuch. And they're like. So they're like bringing a hot dancer to dance in front of the eunuchs to prove they're eunuchs. And Josephus. Yeah, if you don't know what a eunuch is, it's a thing with. It's a guy with no dick. Basically, he was castrated. Yeah. So they're like, well, let's get these, this beautiful woman to dance in front of them. And if, you know, if nothing happens, if yes. the dick. If the dick rises. rise, then they're fine. And yeah. if it does, then it's a faker. And Josephus, of course, his yeah. rises, and it's just, it's a funny <laughs> scene. Now they finally escape. They get to the Senate. Oh, okay. So now yeah, now you can okay. Um, so they get to the Senate. They're hiding out by the Senate. And I just, I thought it was funny because it kind of has, it's the first instance of like kind of class commentary. A couple of times they have that in this movie and I wasn't expecting it. But basically the Senate is like in session and they're talking. They're like, okay, so we can either build more huge, beautiful palaces for the rich or we can do something with our money to help the poor. What should we do? What do you guys vote? And all at the same time, they say, fuck the poor. <laughs> Good. And that's it. That's the scene. Yeah. And I was like, all right, that's kind of cool. That's funny. And now we get, we get like, now it's like the, the escape. We get like a couple weird quick su- succession. Like these are some of the bad jokes we get. We get the follow me joke where they follow her and walk like uh, Miriam. Yeah. We get the don't panic joke, which everyone knows that immediately leads to a panic. Right. Um, yeah, the gags are sometimes very obvious, but like I said, I feel like it's also very charming, so it kind of works still. We also have a random scene where a guy walks through with a boombox playing Funky Yeah, Town. that was weird it just it didn't feel like it fit it just came out of nowhere and then it was over i was like oh okay like it was funny it was just it was literally like 10 like not even 10 seconds it was weird yeah so finally they're trying to escape the city and they're they're hiding in a store and they're like we, we can't oh god they're like they're like crawling the streets the soldiers are gonna catch us and they're like we need a miracle it's miracle oh yeah the horse comes back to like whisk them away uh, and then, there's Frankie least... at this point was like, really? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> alright. But then, I I went even more like, really? Like, we're doing this? So they're, they're doing like, this basically this chariot chase. Not a car chase, yeah. but a chariot chase. And all of a sudden, they just stop, our, our, our lovable gang of heroes here. They stop on the side of the road, and Josephus gets out of the chariot. And it's like, oh look, these weeds are here. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and then they're like, I should get some rolling papyrus. I'm like, no. Roman what? red, baby. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? They'll be here any minute. Not to worry. Not to worry. We are now armed with mighty joint. So he literally rolls and a fucking huge joint, lights it, sticks it on the end of their chariot, continues to ride, and like the fumes from the giant joint, like fuck with the bad guys' heads and they're like, you know, all they get, get loopy. and they, they get loopy and that's le- how they stop. I'm like, are you It kidding? leads to a dance scene, which has some funny music. It's not even like a da- well, yeah, it is a dance scene, but then, yeah, that was weird. They just randomly start dancing and our, our heroes is, like escape to the like next town, basically, and then they, they just sing randomly for like five seconds. I don't know. It was Weird. Yeah, we get uh, we get another Moses cameo where he parts the Red Sea. Yeah, and he parts, yeah, that was. Cool. And, and since he's being held up. Yeah. Uh, apparently, from the research I did, because that's the last time we see Moses in the movie, yes. but apparently Mel Brooks said that the Moses bit uh, in the beginning and in this part, like it was all like last minute the decision to put Moses in there. I don't know why, but it, it works out fine. I think it's funny. It, it was very funny. They, they escape Rome and they go to Judea. Yeah. And uh, in Judea, they get jobs as a waiter, a cashier, and a dishwasher. And Mel Brooks comes across the Last Supper. Yeah, and then that's like how it ends. I, I felt like that scene, that segment, kind of ended a little abruptly. A little bit. It, it didn't really have a, a full ending, I think. Because it just ends with like, Comes as a waiter, and he walks into the Last Supper. But like that's it. 
it, I don't know, it just seemed like there could have been a little more to kind of end it completely. It, I don't know. It could have been. It was just it was just weird. It was funny. There's no cohesive, like, it's just kind of like, okay, let's Yeah, chill. it's just kind of like a, what's the word? Like a chain of thought, like a... Yeah, it's a... a it's chain a, of thought kind of situation. It is. And, you know what, it's still fun. Now we get to the Spanish Inquisition. Okay, so this, I... I Our musical number. I, yeah, it's just a random musical number in the middle of the movie. It's like maybe five to ten minutes long. And it's really fun. I, I actually really enjoyed it. It was very, like, Broadway. What a show. They, they take something as horrible as the Spanish Inquisition and turn it into, a, like, a big Broadway showboating number. So I really enjoyed that. It was it was it's a lot of fun. Mel Brooks at uh, Mel Brooks is actually oh, he's Takamata, which we Takamata. forgot. Takamata. You can't talk about anything. Yeah. <laughs> we get the shtick. Um, but, but yeah, that was that was fun. That was one of the segments I really enjoyed because it was just it was like it was short, obviously, because it was just one big musical number, but it was also fun. I, it, well, it's also I think it's even more fun knowing that he's. Just who he is as a person, mm-hmm. and it's even more fun just because he's yeah, it's very Mel Brooksy that whole segment. He's clearly having a good time. I mean, the whole movie is obviously Mel Brooksy, but it's very uh like quintessential Mel Brooks. And like this and Monty Python, which make fun of the Spanish Inquisition, because Monty Python does the same thing where they have the Spanish Inquisition just randomly show up places. Inquisition. The Spanish Inquisition. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. But it, it's still funny. It's hysterical. It's quick. But it's arguably my favorite part of the entire movie. <laughs> I would actually agree with that. That the Spanish Inquisition is probably like my favorite part of the movie. I like that a lot. Yeah. It, it's this and the French Revolution segment that I like the best, I think. Well, the French Revolution, now we get to the French Revolution segment. Because that's right after the Spanish Inquisition, we jump to the French Revolution. We get the, we again, again, the marketplace joke, which this time yeah, got Frankie funny. because the one guy comes and goes, well, I okay. got... Well, for, it starts off with, because the whole idea is like, oh, people are poor and they want to start a revolution, da 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 Yeah, the rich, Wells keeps... the rich are rich and the poor are poor, and yada, yada, yada. So it starts off first, the guy's... Uh, in the marketplace selling apple like rotten apple cores from the rich's garbage like you know and i was like ah oh, that's okay good and then the next they do dead rats good for dead rat pie and ratatouille oh, <laughs> i got frankie too i was like yeah okay haha <laughs> funny and then what really got me was the next guy is like nothing i have <laughs> nothing for sale nothing nothing i got absolutely nothing for sale i started like hysterical <laughs> laughing i'm like because that one i didn't expect i like the because i didn't expect that so i got excited i was like ah that was really good he um, was so serious the guy's like i have nothing i have nothing for sale um and then so now we get he's got nothing for sale uh the poor are now planning the revolution of the king right and that's uh it's led by chorus leachman yes leading the revolution and they have their little like meeting with a couple little uh gags in there yeah so that was nice and, and then we meet the king played by uh mel brooks, mel brooks. and count the money and count the money <laughs> oh sorry demone played by harvey harvey Clark. yes um and then we also meet uh the piss boy the, also played the royal piss boy, who basically is just a fella who carries around a big bucket for uh, the, the royals to piss in <laughs> throughout the castle, and uh, he's also played by Mel Brooks. So we kind of get introduced to our little cast of characters. Yes, and the king is a fucking creep. <laughs> oh, the king is. We get introduced to the king first and foremost. They're by, a chess game. Yes, they're playing the wizard's chess. <laughs> Human chess. It basically it's the Harry Potter uh, chess game where like it's a huge chess board and instead of like chess pieces it's actual people 
and they're all fucking the queen. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Basically, if Harry and Hermione and Ron all fucked each other on the chessboard, it's like if Hermione, that's what this would be. Oh, so if the Hermione was the queen, it'd be like, and now Ron jumps the queen, and now Harry, Harry jumps, jumps the, the queen. queen, now all the pawns. Everybody jumps the queen. Orgy. Oh, God, <laughs> it was yeah, it was bad. And then um, yeah, and then we get introduced to this like. Other twenty-something-year-old, twenty-something, cute, like blonde girl who, for some reason, at the end gets with fucking Mel Brooks, that little shyster. Oh yeah, um, but uh, she basically goes to the king and says, "Please, uh, please, oh please, my father is in prison in the Bastille. Can you please release him? He's gonna die in there. Please, oh please, release him." And I like this, too, because it's another kind of, like, class commentary little moment. Uh, Mel Brooks' king asks... Mel Brooks's king asks this young lady, what did your father do to get thrown in the Bastille? And she goes, well, he said something horrible at a dinner party. What did he say? He said that the poor ain't so bad. <laughs> like, oh, he's lucky he's not dead. Exactly. I was like... All right, all right, I see you, Mel Brooks, I see you. So, um... But so, now he gets her, he goes, the king gets her to agree to let him hump her for her father's freedom. Yes, he says, I, you have to put out, and then I will let your father go. And she reluctantly agrees. And then um, he puts his face in another woman's boobs and says, It's good to be the king. Because that's his, <laughs> that's his catchphrase as the yeah, king. Yeah. It's a fun. great freaking catchphrase. There's one point where, um... So he talks to, he's out in the courtyard, and he talks to Demonet. Demonet. Uh, and Demonet tells him, listen, like, we think there's a revolution coming. You need to, we need to figure out something to keep you safe. Yes. We need to get you out of the way. So they don't, um, so they won't kill you. So they won't kill you. And the king's like, well, what do we do, like? They're going to know I'm not, what do we do when I'm not there? And he's like, oh, we'll just put a double in your place. We just have to find someone that looks like you. And then he looks over at the piss boy and he's like, you look like the piss boy. <laughs> you look like a bucket of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, essentially, that's the plan. They take in the piss boy and they, they dress him up like the king. They give him his beauty mark. Yeah. And then he's, he's magically the king. And they kind of say, like, you know, the plan is, essentially, when the revolution starts, they're going to cut off your head, and not the real king's, and everything will be yeah. fine. <laughs> Mel Brooks is like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like, oh, 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 oh okay, fine. Uh, so now, the young girl who had agreed to the original king... Oh, wait, pause. Can uh, you just... Yes. Uh, there was... Uh, also, before we move on, there was a joke... I just thought this was really funny because I literally, like, multiple times predicted every aspect of the fucking joke, which, I mean, I don't know if it's a bad thing or a good thing because it was still funny, but... So at one point, when the... Mel Brooks is talking to Damonet... The, the, the first King Louis. Yes, they're talking They're talking about this plan to use the piss boy to protect him, basically. He's holding a shotgun the whole time, and he talks about... Um, he loves the poor. Oh, yeah, he loves the poor. They're my people. Why would they want to uh, have a revolution against me? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, he's going to shoot somebody. <laughs> and then he goes, and then, pull! Next thing you know, a peasant is flying through the air, and he shoots him with the shotgun. I'm like, God And we get it. a Wilhelm scream. And then, right after that, he, like, they do it again. They're like, oh, uh, you know, they might be, you know, they might have use some violence against you. And the king goes, Violence. I hate violence. I abhor I, I violence. Abhor violence. Pull. Pull. <laughs> and they shoot another peasant. I'm like, God <laughs> he, damn. He, this time he drops like a rock. He's like, he dropped like a rock. I'm like, they're doing it again. I was like, all right. I mean, again, still funny. It had some charm to it, so I wasn't mad about it. So but now, at the same time, it's pretty predictable. Now, so the piss boy replaces... Piss boy replaces the king. The king. And... The girl comes to have sex with the original king, because that's what she yes, agreed to. Yes, the girl comes to the king's quarters to give her virginity away in order to save her father's life. So, when she comes into the room, Demonet is there, and he's all Twitter-padded and wants to 
fucker. <laughs> so he ends up throwing himself accidentally over the ledge. Trying, trying to, to hump her, yeah. yeah. And, and then, then the king comes out, who's and he's the piss like, boy. yeah, he's really the piss boy, but she doesn't know that. And he's like, your majesty, she's like, your majesty, <laughs> take, take me. me. It was really uncomfortable. Me. Have your way with me. And then the piss boy looks at the camera and goes, it's good to be the king. <laughs> I guess it's good to be the king. Uh, but he goes, why, why don't we go on like a date? For, uh, he goes, you agreed to let my father go. So he ends up pardoning the father anyway. Yeah, and he doesn't, he doesn't take advantage of the young lady. He lets the father, he writes a pardon for the father and lets him go. And then <coughs> after the young lady uh, go get, goes to get her father out of jail, they come back Or we get another gang of dead king. Oh yes. Dead yeah, animals. The father in the jail he has like all these friends quote unquote that are actually just dead birds and he, when he gets set free he like goes to let them go and he just like drops them out the window. <laughs> it's like really uncomfortable. <laughs> But, um... There's, like, seven of them. Yeah, it's a little rough. But anyway, so once the dad and the young lady are set free, they end up going back to the king's quarters because they realize the revolution is starting and they're going to come after the king, so they want to help him get away. Yes. Um, but they don't really get away, and the revolution... The revolutionaries barge in and take the young lady the father, and the king, who's all actually the piss boy, and they take them up to the guillotine. Now, okay, this is where shit gets weird. They take them up to the guillotine, and you think that the piss boy is about to get fucking murdered. Yes. Um, um, but... It's, it's, it's actually... All of a sudden... Well, yeah, because <laughs> he's like... Well, they, they cut up Melon up to test the guillotine, and he's like, oh, um, last request, last request. Novocaine! That doesn't exist! Oh, uh, I'll wait! And then finally, he goes, oh god, he's out of his head chopped off, he goes, oh god, I need a miracle. And what shows up? Miracle the horse. Miracle the horse. I'm like, as soon as I heard the, nay, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> but, being, but they're in ancient Rome. Being driven by Josephus. Josephus from ancient Rome. And and the piss boy just knows who he is and climbs into <laughs> the chariot and with the, with the, uh, the girl, with the girl and the father. And the father. And they just ride away off into the sunset. And I'm like, what? He kisses Josephus, actually. <laughs> yeah, <he laughs> At the end. He's like, oh, the movie's almost over. We must kiss. <laughs> and... So he kisses the girl. The movie ends. Well, hold on. No, sorry. Because uh, uh, the piss boy's like, it's a miracle. And then, he, and then he's like, what the hell? I was so confused. Oh, yeah, the movie Magic Code. But he's he turns to Josephus like, what are you doing here? How did you get here from ancient Rome? And Josephus just turns and was like, it's movies, is magic. And then that's it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Which is funny. And then they we... ride off into the sunset towards a big mountain that's, that's the carved end. in into it the end and then we get coming soon yes we get a trailer for the never seen never even planned for history of the world part two where we get hitler on ice yeah we get like little uh you know coming attractions we get hitler on ice we get the viking funeral and we get jews in space jews in space and it's still funny it's We then we get a Star Wars crawl at the end. It's uh, so good. So it's it's definitely a very Mel Brooksian movie that really uh, <laughs> it didn't really have much of a running plot, but it all had a way of coming together in the end. Yeah, movie magic. Movies is magic. I should get that on a T-shirt. <laughs> I, I was I very much liked Josephus in this movie. I very yeah. liked very much liked uh, Mel Brooks in this yes. movie. So I, I you know I At guess. one point you looked at me before the movie though and you found out all the festal virgins were uh were Playboy models. Were Playboy models yeah. and you were like Oh god, this is gonna be bad, isn't it? And they were in the movie for like ten seconds. Yeah, it really wasn't anything. I was just like <coughs> okay. But um yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh definitely not the the best, um, you know, yeah. 
No, it, it's it's not it's not Mel his. Mel Brooks movie, not no. his finest work. I mean, if you were gonna, if you've never seen a Mel Brooks movie, I would not suggest that this be the first one you watch. No, it's. But uh, definitely, I I would recommend it. For yeah, sure. it was a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's very it's enjoyable. It's it's goofy. It's got shtick. Yeah, it's definitely got shtick. Um, shtick up the wazoo. Yeah, it's got shtick up the wazoo. Um, so okay, what's your what would you say your favorite Mel Brooks movie is? If you had to recommend a, like a Mel Brooks movie for someone who's never seen Mel Brooks. Okay. It's one of two. Mm. And it comes down to an answer for a question if you you have to ask yourself, are you a Star Wars fan or not? Okay. If you're not a Star Wars fan, I'd say Young Frankenstein. Okay. If you are a Star Wars fan, i say Spaceballs. I would definitely say Spaceballs is a good choice. Um, but I would, if anything, I would say either Spaceballs or Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles is also very good. I, yeah, I like Blazing Saddles. I also enjoy, I, I, honestly, Mel Brooks is great in every, I love Robin Hood Men in Tights. I love, yeah. I love, I honestly love both producers, even though I know the set, the remake wasn't as good as the original. I still yeah. enjoy the remake, but you can't be Gene Wilder, you can't. That's true. It's very difficult to beat Gene Wilder. He's another uh, mainstay in the Mel Brooks universe. Yes, the Pantheon. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's definitely got a, a vast filmography that uh, I have to say, like, I, of the ones that I've watched, there's none that I dislike, So, including this one. Yeah. So I think that if you are listening to this and you are unfamiliar with the filmography of Mr. Mel Brooks, I think it's something you need to look into because it's. I think it's a form of comedy that isn't really seen as much anymore. No, kind of like the almost like a spoof movie. It, it, it was probably exactly. the original kind of spoof movie. Yeah, it's very much in the vein of like Airplane and the way. That yeah, like, it's not like spoof movies today where it's all about just making pop culture references no. that are dated in like five minutes. Like this movie was made in 1981. Yes, and it still holds up pretty well. I, and I honestly think, despite he, the fact that some, yeah. of, yes, some of the gags are a little sophomoric, and you can predict them ahead of time, but they they still make you laugh. Oh yeah, and that's just who he was. He took chances, though. Right. Yeah. And you know, again, you also got to look at some of these jokes that we do find a little sophomoric, or that we can guess the punchline to. This was also 1981. Correct. Some of those jokes we've seen some because some of them were a little saucy for me. Well, that's who he is. That's yeah. it's always been who he is. He takes that shot. He takes that chance because that's who he. He doesn't care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he has a tendency to, you know, make things that aren't traditionally funny, funny, and that's what real comedy is. I think so. Even if you watch this movie or any other Mel Brooks movie, and you're like, okay, like the jokes don't always hit as well as they may have like, yeah. when the movie first came out. It still is... Well, they hit better now than apparently when they came out. It's still necessary because, mm. you know, comedy is about taking chances yes. and taking risks and making things that are dark, like the Spanish Inquisition, funny by turning oh, it yeah. into a fucking musical. musical. So that's, you know, or like, you know, if you've seen the producer, Springtime for Hitler, it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, I'm a big fan of Mel Brooks, and this only cements that for me. So, what's your what's your rating for this movie? Um, out of five, I would say like, I would say like maybe three point five. Yeah, I'd probably go four. I would, yeah, I would say three point five because I I didn't compared to Mel Brooks's other movies, I didn't love it, but I did like it a lot. Uh, so yeah, I would say three point five ish. Good. Well, it's a great watch. It's a great. It's a fun watch. I enjoy it. You know, it's it. Yeah, you don't, you're not gonna full plot through it, but mm -hmm. it's it's good. And you know what? Even if you, I'm sure you can find all the parts on YouTube at this point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Go watch the Spanish Inquisition on YouTube. I know that's on YouTube. Yeah, it's definitely it's worth that. If nothing else is worth watching, because it's it's just a good. It's a good lesson in what comedy is. If you had to rank mm -hmm. the segments, um, the first two, like the you know the like yeah. the early caveman ones, yeah. I would probably put last. 
Um, but the, the best one, I think, is probably Spanish Inquisition. Second is French Revolution. Third is Rome. Fourth is, like, the beginning segments. Uh, see, I have it. Uh, Spanish Inquisition, the Roman Empire, the French Revolution, the, mm-hmm. the Testament, Old Testament, and then yeah. our forefathers. Um, Alright, so... So, yeah. So... Yeah, I think I think we're pretty much on the same page as far as like yeah. the longer segments are the better ones because yeah. they're more developed and they have more fun games yeah. and stuff. And then the Spanish Inquisition is just funny because it's a fucking musical. But if nothing else, like I said, I think you should watch that portion because it it is a great lesson in what comedy is at its core. Yeah. So for our next episode, we may have a. A little shake-up. We might be doing... We might have a guest next week. Yes. I'm not 100% sure right now. We're working we, on it. We might. Um, and our guest will be potentially showing us... Uh, a movie one, one of her favorite movies. That neither me or Frankie have yeah, seen. Yeah, that neither my, myself or Scott have seen. Um, and if not, if not next week, we'll do it at some point soon. But if uh, she's not on next week, then we'll just be doing... Uh, a regular shoot the flick episode with myself showing Scotty a new movie and talking about it. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I am too. Shit's getting real, guys. This is what episode. This would be episode five. Episode five. We're getting there, kids. All right, so uh, I'm gonna wrap us up here. Sounds good. And uh, that way we can uh, accurately prepare for next week's excursion. Uh, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Google Podcasts, as well as uh, Spotify and Anchor. Mm-hmm. Again, we're still working on getting on uh, iTunes, but we're going to keep you updated on that. And we're also working on getting a Twitter. We're going to keep you updated on that as well. Uh, but uh, right now we have an Instagram, so Wait. please check us out on there, Shoot the Flick. Feel free to leave us a comment, a movie suggestion, anything you want all good um and make sure you come back next week because we're going to blow your mind with yet another cinematic adventure indeed all right see you next week adios